Thanks, Glenn. Well, good morning, everyone. For those who don't know me, my name's Jeff Leader. I'm part of the ministry team here and uh, very honoured to be a part of the ministry team here. Uh, I don't know if Stuart's away this week, uh, enjoying uh, a week up on the Gold Coast with the family, so we just uh, do pray for him and Caro as they get away and uh, relax and enjoy their time away. Uh, Before I start, let's pray. Our Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that we are saved by grace. And Father, we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit who draws us ever closer to you. Lord, as we uh, look at your grace this morning, we pray that you would open our eyes to understand and to apply your word to our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace. What's grace? Well, the simplest definition, I suppose, is that it is God's unmerited favour. And just right up front, let's put it out there, we can't earn God's favour. We can't work for it, we can't buy it. The Bible says, we just heard in Ephesians 2, that we are saved by grace. And that the only way to heaven is through the doorway of grace. You see, grace is amazing, as the hymn so well puts it. Grace is amazing. We are simply saved by grace. Now, I just want to dive into the last verse in uh, 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, and that says, Grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I think we can all kind of get the idea of how we can uh, grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We get how we can do that. We learn, we read, we study, we meditate on God's word. We get to know Jesus. And that's aside from the relationship. But what's this grace thing all about? How do we grow in grace? How do we grow in grace? Well, first we actually have to understand how we receive the grace of God. That's the first step in understanding how we can grow in grace and what that means. The Bible says how we grow in grace is, sorry, how we receive the grace of God. Three simple words, by trusting Jesus, by trusting Jesus. You see, God made it so simple that nobody could say it was too hard to understand. It's not like, You've got 23 steps and four pathways and eight guide roads and 32 rituals to go through. He just says, we receive God's grace by trusting Jesus. That's it. Simple. It's as simple as putting our faith in him. John 1.17 says, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You see, grace is actually wrapped up in a person, and that person is Jesus. He's the source. Grace and truth comes through Jesus. If you don't get it through Jesus, you don't get it. You don't get it at all. We don't get grace through religion or ritual. or We don't get it through baptism or 
confirmation or even communion. We don't get grace through rules and regulations. We get grace through a relationship. And grace comes to us because of what Jesus has done for us by dying on the cross. He died for our sins. And when you put your faith in Jesus, we become a friend of God, a friend of Christ, by entering into this precious relationship with him. That's how we get the grace we need to live and to live for all eternity. Grace is free. All we have to do is to accept it. That's our bit. It's free. But it's not cheap. Grace is the most expensive commodity that there could be, ever be. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the creator of this world, died on the cross for each and every one of us. That was the price that was paid. It was not cheap. But when Jesus died on the cross, he did three things. Firstly, he paid the penalty for our sins, our rebellion from God. And because he did this, we're now forgiven. We don't have to carry that burden of guilt around with us. Secondly, he broke the power of sin and the, dev- and the devil. And what that means is Jesus now gives us the power to stand against sin, to stand against the evil one, the power to change our habits, to heal the hurts, the hang-ups in our lives that continue to mess us up. And thirdly, he made us acceptable. Oops. He made us acceptable to God. And so we can look forward to being welcomed by God with open arms, welcomed into his presence for eternity. We are made acceptable to God. I want to tell you a little story about uh, grace. There's a, uh, a prison near the city of San Juan Campos in Brazil. And this story actually illustrates beautifully what grace is all about. And what happens when you allow your life to be truly run by God's grace? Some time ago, the Brazilian government turned this prison, it's a picture of it, uh, they turned this prison over to a group of Christians. The group of Christians were told that they could run the prison and they could run it on Christian principles. And so they got to work, they cleaned up the prison and renamed it Humanita. With the exception of two full-time staff members, all the work, all the administration was done by the inmates themselves. Families outside the prison were able to adopt an inmate to work with during and after his term. When Chuck Colson uh, went and visited this this prison some, some years ago, he said, and I quote, When I visited Humanita, I found the inmates smiling, particularly the murderer who held the keys and opened the gate and let me in. When I walked in, I saw men who were at peace with themselves and with God. I saw clean living areas. I saw people working industriously. The walls were decorated with biblical sayings from Psalms and Proverbs. My guide escorted me to the notorious prison cell that was once used for torture. Today, he told me, that block houses only a single inmate. 
And as we reached the end of a long concrete corridor, and he put the key in the lock, he paused and said, are you sure you want to go in? Of course, I replied impatiently. I've been in isolation cells all over the world. And slowly he swung the massive door open and I saw the prisoner in that punishment cell. It was a beautifully carved crucifix by the Humanita inmates and the prisoner Jesus was hanging on the cross. He's doing time for the rest of us, my guide said softly. I read a similar story of another prison in the States. Same kind of thing happened um, some few years down the track from that. But this is what the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus is all about. Jesus has served our time. He paid our penalty. He died in our place. Jesus took the punishment that we should have taken, that we deserved. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2, 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. An easy way to remember what the definition of grace is a little acronym, God's riches at Christ's expense. That's what grace is. God's riches at Christ's expense. Our, and so what is our response to that? We get an understanding of what Jesus has done for us. It should not leave us unmoved. What is our response? Our response should be emphatic. And it should be an emphatic, Jesus, I thank you, I praise you for your amazing outrageous, inconceivable grace, the grace that you've shown me. What should our response be? In light of the fact that all those things that grace offers us are made possible because of what Jesus did on the cross. How should you and I respond? Well, in 2 Corinthians 6.1, it says, as God's co-workers, we urge you, and just, just hear the urgency in Paul's voice, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. In other words, do not let the grace you receive from God be for nothing. What do we owe Jesus? We owe him a lot, our life. We owe him all that we have, all that we've got. We owe him everything. To grow in grace simply means that we become more like Jesus. This is getting back to what, it, what does it mean to grow in grace? We become more like Jesus. Growing in grace has to do with our character and the qualities Peter mentions in 2 Peter 1.5.7 where he, he says, this is how, what our lives should reflect. The grace of Christ, goodness, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection and love. Or we can jump back to Paul in Galatians 5 and that well-known list of the fruits of the Spirit, which is the same thing, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. 
Our lives should demonstrate these things. Our lives should express these things. And as we grow in grace, our lives express these things more and more. They become more a part of us. And so we become more Christ-like in our attitudes and our behaviour. And these things, these characteristics are all outcomes of our expression of gratitude for God's grace. Our lives then reflect the grace of God that's been shown to us, to those around us. Once we get that on board, I want to just want to look briefly at three practical ways that we can express our gratitude for God's grace. Three practical things. Firstly, we can express our gratitude for God's grace by allowing it to govern the way we live and by making our lives count. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit who lives in you whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your, with your bodies. You see, we, once we receive God's grace, we can't keep on living however we please, squandering what God paid for, for what God paid such an incredibly high price for. We can't understand the grace of God and just keep on living the same old way we've always lived. God's grace transforms us. It changes us. We can't just ignore his commands anymore. We can't just waste our time on trivia or spending our money any way we think we can. We can't do that anymore. Jesus did not die on the cross for us just to go on living any old way we want to. He made us for a purpose. He made us for a reason. He died for us for, for a purpose. And he wants us to fulfill that purpose. In 1 Peter 4.10 it tells us, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You see, the abilities and the talents and the opportunities, and the education, and the freedom, and the relationships, and all the things that we have, the things that bless our lives, we're not given just to be squandered. God expects us to use those things for his purposes, for his glory in this world. So that's the first thing. Don't waste your life. Jesus died for it, so make your life count. The second thing, we show our gratitude by allowing God's grace to govern the way we use what we have been given by becoming generous with our time, talents and treasures. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. If you want to measure how much you understand grace. If you want to measure how much you're living by grace, if you want to measure how much you are grateful for God's grace, look at your giving. Another verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 to 8. 
says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Look at all the alls in that verse. All grace, all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Those are the promises made to the person who becomes like Jesus. What was Christ like? He was a giver. God so loved the world that he gave. And, you know, you're never going to become like Jesus until you learn to be like Jesus. The Christian life can be summed up in three simple words. Love, serve and give. And until you learn to be generous with your time, your money, your life, your resources, your opportunities, you're not going to become like Christ. You see, nothing is greater proof that you understand grace than that you are lovingly gracious and generous to other people and to God. If you're uptight when we start talking about giving, you're a bit uncomfortable and that's unsettling, I'd have to say it means you don't fully understand grace. Look at the verse again. It says if you give cheerfully, liberally, abundantly, what's God going to do? He will take care of all your needs, all the time, in every way, however you need them. Those who have committed to giving and giving generously, tithings, um, giving 10% is a guide. It's not a, not a rule of law, it's a guide. But those people, including ourselves, once you start tithing your income, story after story, and I can testify in my own life, once we do that, God will satisfy all our needs. He'll provide what we need. may not provide all the things we want, but definitely what we, what we need. And we won't go without when we start trusting him with our finances, our resources, our talents. So are you going to trust God, the God who gave his life for you? If you can trust him enough for salvation, then surely you can trust him enough for your finances. God asks us to give back to him, to tithe back to him. Not because he needs the money, but because he wants us to become like him. He doesn't want us to have a stingy heart. He wants us to have a heart like Jesus. Fact is, I can say I love God. I can sing that I trust God and put him first, but my attitude to my money can show a real difference. God wants us to become generous like him. And he wants us to make our lives count. Those are just two ways to show gratitude. And the third way we can express our gratitude to God and grow in grace is by sharing the good news of grace. In Acts 20, verse 24, it says, My only aim, this is Paul writing, My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. 
Notice he doesn't say the most important thing in life is to get married, to fund your retirement, to travel a lot and have a lot of fun and to become uh, famous or pay off the house. It says the most important thing in life is to fulfil your God-given mission. If Jesus died on the cross for you and showed his grace to you so that you can fulfil your mission, then if you don't, then that's a massive eternal waste. Part of that mission, just a part, not all of it, is to tell other people the good news of grace. God put us on this earth for a reason. He has a mission that only we can fulfil. But part of that mission, once you step across the line, is to tell other people, to share it. You know Jesus because somebody told you about him. My question to you is, who are you going to tell? If somebody died for you, you'd want to know about it, wouldn't you? And if that, if the motivation behind everything we, and, and, and sorry, and that is the motivation behind everything we do here at New Life. Jesus died for every single person in this city, in this country, indeed the entire world. But this weekend, the typical resident in Sydney will probably sit at home watching TV, the Commonwealth Games, whatever, with a coffee or a beer, newspaper, kick back, relaxed. The tragedy is that they're totally unaware that Jesus died for them. Totally oblivious to that transforming fact. And if that person lives and dies without ever knowing that their sins are forgiven, then for that person, Jesus' death is a waste, a tragic waste. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter that the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but all, that, that all should come to repentance. That's God's heart. God wants everybody in his family because everybody needs Jesus. Jesus is the only way you can get to heaven. And because God cares, we must care as well. And one of the ways we can show gratitude for our own salvation is to share the good news of God's grace with other people. Because people are dying without the grace of God. That might not sound like much, but they're dying for eternity. Their eternal future is pretty grim. So what are we going to do about it? Well, we can pray for them. should be names near um, 316441 cards. We have tools and helps to, uh, to help you pray for people, to talk to people, to take the opportunity to share with people. We've got a fantastic church. It's very visible in this suburb. I think we've got pretty good church services. They're a wonderful group of very welcoming people. Why don't you invite somebody? Someone you love. Someone that you're concerned about. That you're concerned about whether they go to heaven or hell for eternity. And if you can't think of anybody, then start praying that God would open up your heart to put somebody's name on your heart. 
and to help you see the faces of those around you who are desperate for the good news of new life in Christ. They may be looking to all sorts of religious beliefs or trying to find fulfilment in an affair or their work or sport or a hobby and there's this gaping God-shaped hole in their lives that only the grace of God can fill. And we, you and I have the greatest news in the world. The way we grow in grace after having received the amazing grace of God is by making our lives count, by living a life of extravagant generosity and by telling as many people as we can about the good news of new life in Jesus. Amazing grace indeed it is. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, forgive us for taking your grace for granted. Forgive us for being afraid to make our lives count for you and for not using the abilities you've given us for ministry, for service. Forgive us for being afraid to tithe and to put you first in our finances. Forgive us for being afraid to identify ourselves as a follower of you in public. Father, we want to make our lives count for you. We want to commit the rest of our lives to using the life you gave us in serving you and fulfilling the purpose you made us for. We want to fulfil our mission. We want to become generous people, starting with tithing back to you, in gratitude for all you've done for us. We want to trust you with our finances. We want to be used in sharing the good news of your grace And so, Lord, help us to make the most of the opportunities you bring us to share with people who cross our paths this week. Lord, thank you for loving us enough to die for us. Please fill us with your Holy Spirit so that our lives can, like Jesus, be lives of grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.